Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Terrace Talk. And it's fair to say a week is a long time in football. That's what they say. It certainly has been for Norwich City from all of the concerns and anxieties, maybe of not being able to score a goal a week or so ago. I remember the preview in that Stoke game um, on this very show not too long ago and it being full of concern and worry. Well, two back to back wins and suddenly Norwich City find themselves four points clear at the top of the championship. But they do, of course, have a very difficult fixture at Carrow Road this Saturday as they welcome uh, Paul Warren's uh, Rotherham United, which is um, always a very difficult test for Norwich um, at, for reasons that we're, we're going to get into. Delighted to be joined by Norwich fan Anna Say and also Rotherham fan Josh. Uh, guys, thank you very much for joining me. Um, Anna, let's start with you. We're, of course, recording this uh, the day after Norwich City have just beaten Coventry in a, a lovely Norwich City. Is that goalkeeping share is, isn't it? Yes. Um, just give us your reflections on that win because it, it felt like a, a really, well, I guess another positive win to build on the, the good result on Saturday against Stoke. Absolutely. It was um, a very, it felt more professional than the Stoke one. The Stoke one was all about getting that win and just getting those goals and there was almost a frantic nature about it. Going into... Um, that game yesterday, it was all about keeping that going. And so it felt a bit more calm. It felt a bit more professional and they just got the job done, especially on a very rough surface. Yeah, it, was, uh, it wasn't It was the best pitch, was it? It made maybe even worse by the fact that we know Norwich have to go back to St Andrews next week uh, to play Birmingham. Josh, how, how are things with, with you from a Rotherham perspective? It's great to see two fans come on in their respective shirts. I've let you down a bit today in, in that regard, but uh, it's, it's much appreciated. Uh, obviously, a 1-0 defeat away to Bournemouth last night, which obviously probably isn't the worst result in the world, maybe for you guys, maybe not a result that's going to define whether or not you stay up. Norwich, of course, went there and, and lost 1-0 very early on this season. How, how are things looking for, for Rotherham? How would you assess where they are at the moment? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, we've had a very good tw- uh, 2021, obviously. Like, uh, lost his last two games, unfortunately, but we've been playing a lot more positively. Uh, w- there's a lot more belief in the squad now, even from the from the coaching, coaching side of it. I think that all stemmed from late 2020. I mean, oh. we got some good results. We got a really good win against Bristol City. Uh, two... Uh, disappointing results against Blackburn and Barnsley but we played very well in those games and then we took it on and then we played Everton in the FA Cup and probably should have won that game I mean loads of Everton fans said if we had a striker who could score we'd have we'd have been going through to the fourth round which is obviously great to hear and I think we've just taken that belief into into the championship and we've really attacked teams we've we've surprised a few teams obviously two wins against Derby uh, got a very good point against Stoke, beat Preston, beat Middlesbrough, played really well against uh, Swansea, albeit we lost. It's just the last two games where the performances haven't been as good, but we still could have easily got points from Bournemouth and Cardiff, uh, especially last night. We had two very good chances that we missed, and it was like, you put, like I was pulling my hair out. Like we've played poorly against one of the better teams, and we still could have come away with a point. But like, can't get too downhearted about it. You look at Bournemouth squad, and it's like you could have potentially used it as like a free hit. Mm, yeah, and, and I guess in many ways, this game this weekend is is kind of similar, isn't it? And we'll get into that in in just a moment. But Anna, I, w- I want to start with you, and um, I'll, I'll put. Um, as you begin to speak, a picture of the the two people that we're going to be speaking about, Emmy Buendia and Timu Puki. It's um it's a wonderful partnership. I think it's what 
three goals in two games for Timu Puki, two goals in three games for Emi Buendia. Uh, I can see Josh looking slightly fearful as I reel off those stats. But how good have those two been and how important for Norwich has it been that they've both recaptured their form? Those two, they are a fantastic partnership. There was a lot of talk about this on Canary Call yesterday. I brought that up on there and we're discussing where they kind of fall in overall partnerships at Norwich. And we certainly think that they're definitely up there and they just seem to have such an understanding of each other. I mean, that through ball yesterday from Windeera's inch perfect, so much so that the only touch Pookie had on it was to put it in to the back of the net. And it's, it's nice to see because it's helped Pookie recapture a little bit of form because he was kind of had a little bit of a dry spell. Never seen something dry spell. He's fantastic. So it's great to see. It definitely was. And just on, on Pookie specifically, you, you mentioned his goal. Um, there was a nice interview. I think he spoke to my colleague Dave Freezer actually after the um, after the Stoke game and said that actually prior to that game, he'd been doing a lot of work on finishing, which maybe isn't something necessarily that he, he does quite a lot. Um, he is such an important figure in this Norwich City side. How good has it been to see him back amongst the goals, if not just for, for Norwich City, then for him personally? Because... Since he got his 50th goal against Blackburn, it has been a bit of a difficult spell for him, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it's great to see him because we all know what he's capable of. We we all know what he can do. And seeing him back amongst the goals, it's great because it's great for him. gives him the confidence. It's great for the rest of the team as well. It, just, it lifts everybody. And I'm hoping he can get a few goals against Rotherham. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah, it would be nice to see uh, some more goals. Josh, have we have we terrified you yet with uh, with what we've said on Wendy and Puki? I mean, Wendy is arguably the best player in the championship. I mean, it's always going to be a worry when you go up against him. You've got Cantwell as well, Hernandez. I mean, I could list numerous Norwich City players, and it's like it's unfair, isn't it? Really, but you'd, we've just got to get on with it. We've got to we've, we've got to play our game. And hopefully we can somehow take a take points from it. But it's going to be an extremely difficult game, just like the one earlier in the season. Does the um, does the game against Bournemouth and the fact maybe that that wasn't um, a big defeat and that was a defeat that you you guys did quite well in? Does that give you confidence that you can go into this game and maybe put in a performance that is? of the standard that maybe you'd expect from a side in the championship. I, I know that I, uh, I listened to a, a podcast last week that said maybe Rotherham's position at the, near the bottom of the table is a fairly false one. D do you feel like you can reach those levels of performance again at Norwich City on, on Saturday? And if so, what needs to be done in order to get to the results that maybe you were at just before this, this sort of two-game spell that you've spoken about? We need to, I think we just need to get back to how we were playing uh we seem to cause teams problems by pressing them high, especially teams who play out from the back. Uh, we're very aggressive with the press. I think, I think we've, pre I think we've got the highest press stats in the in the division, which you know is quite surprising. I think that we just have to keep, we have to keep going back to that. Obviously, Crooks and Smith, very t been our most formed players recently, uh, cause teams numerous problems with the high yeah, strength and their aggression. Uh, Michael Smith's found some uh, goal-scoring form, which is something that he's lacked previously in the Championship. I think if we, we and also the midfield, we need to push them a bit higher, so, uh, especially against Bournemouth, who we were 
we didn't get enough bodies upfield. I thought in for most parts of the game, we didn't really have a go at them like we have done with previous teams. And and uh, yeah, we we just need to play how we, we how we have been playing, and listen, we know it's going to be difficult. Norwich have arguably the best team in the championship along with Bournemouth, but we've got to go into this game with nothing to fear. At the end of the day, it's, it's 11 v 11 when, when you both cross that white line and whoever wants it more, obviously everyone's obviously you've got more quality than us, but that quality has to show as well. You can't just go into the game thinking that, oh, it's Rotherham than the at bottom. It's going to be an easy three points. Yeah, and Anna, what do you what do you think of this run for Norwich City at the moment? It's it's obviously they've they've had a fairly tough little run of fixtures where they've played some sides who who are maybe in good form. Of course, Swansea, uh, Cardiff as well, who've picked up a little bit since Mick McCarthy came in um, as well. Now they're playing four games against sides, obviously starting with that win against Coventry last night against sides that are in the bottom five that are fighting for their lives that are struggling a little bit. Possibly, you would even label them as potential banana skins. Potential banana. How do Norwich City approach this game to ensure that they get the same level of performance and ultimately the same result? You approach it as you would approach any game in the championship because you can't go into it saying, "Oh, they're near the bottom, so this shouldn't be too hard." Because that's the moment when you tend to fall up, kind of have the bananas again when you tend to lose. So we go at it like any other match. You go at it and you say, we have to beat who's in front of us. And you take it one game at a time. And I think that if we go into it like we're going to any match, then I think our skill and our quality will shine through. And in terms of, obviously, the the promotion race more more broadly, we've seen Brentford lose two games in a row. And obviously, all that talk about Norwich City split a couple of weeks ago, Brentford are maybe now having theirs. It, It just goes to show probably what Ben Gibson said a few weeks ago he put so aptly in terms of there being so many twists and turns ahead I mean it, the championship is notoriously a very difficult league to predict but it just goes to show how Norwich City needs to focus on themselves doesn't it? Absolutely I think it's something that Fark has always brought up he never likes to talk about other teams because he's always he always likes to say focus on what you can influence if we win our matches then there's no need to worry about anybody else. So it's all down to us. And really, it's ours to lose. And any other results going our way, that's just an added bonus. As, as a fan, do you prefer to be the team being chased or do you prefer to be the chasers? Because I know there's some split opinion on this. Um, I don't like being at the top as early as we did get up there. So it's nice to be the chaser for a little while. Like you look at the 2018-19 season, we kind of crept up there slowly, kind of remained under the radar for quite a while and kind of slowly worked our way up there bit by bit, just kind of. So it did worry me earlier in the season when we got up there so early because you know when you're up there, there's a big old target on your back because... I've said it before, nobody cares. Your opponent doesn't care about you when you're seconds. But if you're up there as first, all of a sudden it's a whole other story. Mm, yeah, you're certainly there to be shot out, aren't you? And that, that's the way, Josh, you, Rotherham will, will look at it this weekend, particularly given, obviously, the links with their manager, Paul Warren, who, as we all know, is a, a massive Norwich City fan. Going to Carrow Road is such a big occasion for him. He, of course, wasn't on the touchline, was he, for the reserve, uh, reverse fixture because he was self-isolating. What Paul Warren is very good at is extracting all of the 
emotion and all of the desire and, and, and almost putting that into work rate and energy onto the pitch. And, and that always seems to come against Norwich City, maybe because of how much his players play for him. How do you expect yeah. Rotherham to, to, to approach this game? And um, just in terms of your manager, uh, do, do you get the, the same sort of feeling as him when this fixture comes around that is special for the club because it's special for him? Uh, yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I, I imagine in training uh, prior to this game and before the game, he'll 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 probably get emotional. He might make, he might break down like he like he has done previously before this game. But you know, he'll, 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 he likes to, do, to to tell stories and about who he does it for, and he wants his players to do the same as he's previously mentioned. I imagine he'll tell the story to the players. Again, about how much his dad meant to him, how much, how how much he's influenced his life, and how much he wants to do it for him, and and he'll want the players to do the same, not only for him but for the inspirational people in in their lives as well. And, you know, whether we end up getting a win or a point in this game is another question. But as long as they go out on that pitch and give everything and give hundred ten percent and let Norwich know they've been in a game, I'm I'm, I'm sure the players will. Will be happy in, in, in that perspective, but obviously disappointed that they probably didn't get points. Mm, and, and just in terms of, of the reverse fixture, I remember we, we had you on this show before then and um, kind of talking about a similar thing, really. And that turned out to be a very difficult afternoon for Norwich. It was only a, a late penalty, wasn't it, from Jordan Hugill that, that, that won the game for them. And it certainly wasn't maybe what some fans expected just at the beginning of the championship season, where, of course, expectations and moods are high. Uh, are you expecting a similar approach this weekend from Rotherham in terms of really getting at Norwich and pressing them in the way you've spoken about? Because we've seen lots of teams come to Carrow Road and maybe adopt a approach of sitting behind the ball and looking to frustrate Norwich. You're, from what you've kind of said in the opening 15 minutes or so, you're expecting a very high press, energetic, trying to stop Norwich from, from the source. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. I'm, I'm always a big believer of making the opposition worry about you more than you worrying about them. I think we, we've adopted that approach before and it, it's not worked for us. I don't like it. We, we've ended up chasing games too many times. We've ended up falling behind too early in games by adopting the let's let's worry about them, let's sit back and try and contain them. And it, it, it's, it's very rarely worked for us. I mean, obviously, looking back at the previous game, we scored after three minutes, which came from us high-pressing and forcing you into mistakes. The first 20, 25 minutes of that game was probably the some of the best football we've played. Obviously, our assistant manager said after the game that four key key moments changed the game. Obviously, we missed the penalty. We scored an own goal. We got a red card, and obviously, the penalty that we gave away in the last minute. It's like I'm hoping, but that doesn't happen again. But this is Rotherham; anything's possible. But it, yeah, I think we've just got to go into this game and play our style. Whether the players can do that, given. So we can't make the changes like you can. We don't have the quality like you can. So I think tiredness and fatigue possibly may play a part towards the end of the game. But we've just got to, as I've said, we've got to play our game. We can't worry about the opposition because when we do that, that's when we make mistakes and that's and that's when we don't pick up points. 
Hmm. I'll ask you a very similar question to what I asked Anna, but in kind of a different context. Obviously, you, you guys sit one place and one point out of the relegation zone. Uh, as good as a start to 2021 this has been, and, and like I say, I, I think this, the position Rotherham find themselves in at the moment is maybe a little bit of a false one. I think they, they probably should should be higher up the table. Do you prefer being the chasers or, or do you prefer chasing in this scenario when it comes to Because obviously you, as a Rotherham fan, will have experienced plenty of seasons of sort of championship survival missions? I prefer being chased in, the, in a relegation battle. Once, you, once you're in the drop zone, it's, it's, it's very difficult to get out of it. We found that last time. Uh, we, we somehow stayed above the bottom three for so long and then we dropped into it. I think it was late February and we found it very difficult to, to get out. We kept picking up points and we kept trying to do our job. But we, we found teams above us kept doing the exact same and in the end, we, we we eventually ran out of time, and I, I think as long as we're as long as we stay above the bottom three, especially we we've, we've got a very tough run of fixtures coming up. So we've got you guys, we've got Brentford, we've got Watford, we've got Reading all coming up in the, in the next four or five weeks, as well as obviously teams around us like Nottingham Forest, Sheffield Wednesday, Coventry. We, as long as we stay out of the bottom three uh, in the next couple of weeks, going into I don't want to say an easier run of fixtures in towards the end of March, April, because there's no easy fixtures in this game, but in this division. But if we want to stay up looking at our end of March, April fixtures, we've got to be looking at taking three points from most of them. We've got Birmingham, we've got Wickham, we've got Huddersfield, we've got QPR, who have started to find a bit of form now. But if we want to stay up, we, we've got to be looking at taking points from them as well as obviously the likes of Sheffield Wednesday and Nottingham Forest, who we've got in the next coming weeks as well. Yeah, it certainly feels like a, a big period for Rotherham. Um, Anna, just to, to reflect again a little bit more on, on that Coventry win, um, just talk to me a little bit about how much credit Daniel Farker deserves for this uplifting form, for kind of um, rediscovering Norwich's attacking qualities, because as you will know on, on social media, which is kind of the only way we have to gauge fans' reaction at the moment with, without fans in grounds, it's it, it was quite a loud week before that Stoke game. There was a lot of concern, there was a lot of worry, and now it seems to have, the pendulum seems to have swung the other way, and suddenly the momentum feels like it's with Norwich again. So, how, how much credit does Daniel Farker and his coaching staff deserve for that? I think the um he and his staff do deserve a lot of credit. I mean, I don't want to. I don't like to rely too much on individual players, so I don't want to like say that it might or might not be a coincidence that once when they came back into the team that they were looking a lot better. But I mean, the whole team just seems to have an uplift. Like I said about the Stoke game, they went into that with a very different idea, with a different momentum. It felt like they all of a sudden they weren't so focused on being inch perfect in defending. And in that moment, they were just like, we need to win this match. We need to get the goals. And the intent was there from the start of that match. There was more fight than I'd seen in the last four matches combined. And obviously, that's down to Farker kind of implementing a slightly different tactic and going into it in a slightly different way. But also the players on the pitch, because they're the ones who have got to put it in the back of the net. So... And so it's nice to see that happen. And now going into the next few matches, it's just about getting a few more results, keeping that going and kind of keeping the level of momentum there and keeping the results going.
Yeah, it's, it's consistency at this stage, isn't it? I know you said you maybe don't want to speak about individual players, but I, I just want to ask you about one specifically, which is Dimitris Yanoulis. Um, had, a, had a very difficult start to life in England. I think that's fair to say. Two very tough fixtures, in fairness, against Middlesbrough and Millwall, which maybe is probably quite a contrast from what he would have had in, in Greece, um, not least because of the weather, I suspect, although nice to see the sun shining uh, behind me today. Um what, what have you made of his improvement in the last two games, particularly against Coventry? I felt it was a real step forward. Obviously, he was pretty good it also against Stoke. It was just that one mistake, wasn't it, for Nick Powell's goal that, that maybe let him down slightly? Well, I think everybody knows. We've seen it time and time again now with players that we've had that sometimes certain players take a little bit longer to settle into the football in this country than other players. And I was thinking we knew the hype that he had coming in. We knew everyone said he, what a good player he is, so we had to give him a little bit of time. And he, I thought he looked really good in the Stoke match. And yeah, he made that mistake. But uh, what I see is the fact that he then didn't let it get to him. He didn't drop his head. He went up the other end and got the assist with Buendia. That's all you can ask for a player. Players aren't going to be perfect 100% of the time. It's what they do after that that kind of makes them. And then... He went on and got another really great performance against Coventry. And from what I've seen, I can only imagine the more he settles into this country, the better he'll get. Yeah, he's looking increasingly similar to Jamal Lewis when he used to play for Norwich. I think if you kind of maybe squinted your eyes a little bit at how that Norwich team has played in the last two games, you you'd maybe think it was Jamal Lewis on the left and Max Aaron's on the right, the way they've been attacking. It's been really positive to see. And then uh, just, just finally, um, Ollie Skip as well, who... Very good against Coventry, but just this season, I, I, I kind of said, um, I think uh, just before the Coventry game, that maybe the highest praise you can give Ollie Skip is the fact that Alex Tetti's not getting much football because that's been a, a very difficult position for Norwich City to recruit for in the last 10 years or so. Absolutely, and it's so frustrating because he's so good to the point that you know that Tottenham and Level are never going to let him go. So we've got to let him go at some point and it's going to be horrible again because they've been... Very good at loan players in the last couple of seasons, getting those ones that we all get very attached to, but then we have to let go and it's it's never nice. It's always painful and I have a feeling that this is going to be another one which is just as painful because he's been absolutely fantastic and he's got a really, really bright future ahead of him because he's still so young, so he's got so far to go. Yeah, looking increasingly like a Premier League player, I think it would be um, it would be a bit of a shock. I think if Jose Mourinho didn't fancy him, if he's still there, didn't fancy him at, um, at Spurs next season. Um, Josh, just to, to reflect a bit more on Paul Warren, what's what's the current feeling around him? He's obviously been in the job now for a few years, um, achieved promotions from from League One, has kept you guys in the Championship as well on on occasion. Um, what is what is the the current mood amongst supporters around the job that that he's doing? Because he seems to be a very popular guy looking from the outside. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's still got the majority of fans behind him. Obviously, there's still there's still like one or two that probably don't rate him. I mean, there was rumours back in December that he was very close to losing his job, which I didn't particularly agree with. I mean, I wasn't particularly happy with how we were playing, but given the budget that we have and the connection he has with the players, I don't think there was anyone else who could have replaced that. Uh, I think it was important that we changed our approach, and, I, and, I, and we've definitely done that. Obviously, the last two games have been disappointing, but you can't play to that high intensity every single week that we're still going to lose more games than we win in this division. But we all we all love him. We're all happy that he's still our manager. 
is he the best manager ever? Absolutely not. But he's 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 ideal and he's perfect for what we are at a foot as a football club. We are a top six League One, bottom eight, bottom nine championship club, and I I don't we might get higher than that with if if we if we follow our current model of buying players quite young, selling them on. Obviously, we're not going to do that to the extent of what Brentford do or what Norwich do, but that's probably the best way we we have to progress. And you know, hopefully, Paul Warren is is the manager to do that with us. You know, he's 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 been with us as you said for a long time now as the manager. Joined as a care became the caretaker manager back in 2016 when we was going through a real difficult spell, and he, he's grown as a manager, but he's also grown as a person as well. He he still gets nervous before games and he's. But you know, he's, he's continually getting better. Do, do you find it as a, as a Robin fan? Do Robin fans find it a little bit a little bit strange the amount of love he has amongst Norwich fans? No, not really. I mean, I mean, obviously, it's. I mean, you're one of the few clubs that actually give us any praise. You, you're one of the few clubs that gives the manager praise. So I, I think it's always good in that aspect. I mean. Every time we, we draw or beat an opponent, it's always the same. Oh, we lost a Rotherham, Tim Pot shouldn't be in this division, so on, so on. The mood that we get whenever we play Norwich, it's always a tough game. Rotherham could have got something out of it. Credit to, obviously, Paul Warren. Obviously, Paul Warren gives every football club praise. But I, I feel, obviously, with the connection he has with Norwich, he seems to give you guys more praise. And to be fair, you deserve it. You're one of the better teams in the championship. You play some of the best football in the championship. And I think come day, you will probably go up, whether it is as champions or second. I don't know. I, I believe you will be a Premier League club next season. Lovely. Every Norwich fan watching will be uh, will be pleased to hear you say that, Josh. Um, Anna, let's let's just get your thoughts on Paul Warren very quickly, because as I said, he's, he's obviously popular with Norwich fans, despite having... Of course, never played for the club or, or been involved in the club in, in that sense. He's, of course, a fan, but always speaks very warmly. And as Josh said there, games between Norwich and Rotherham since he's took over as manager have been very difficult for Norwich because of kind of what he provokes from his players, as, as we've discussed from an emotional perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And I've always got um, respect for people who've got respect for Norwich. Obviously, being the Norwich fan he is, he's always going to be respectful, but it's always going to be on the other side of things. He's going to always want to get one over because it's the team he supports and what a moment for him if he gets one over on us. But he's respectful to us and we're respectful to him and we know because of that connection it's always going to be a little bit more tough than if we were just playing any other team that were down towards the bottom of the league. So we won't take this game for granted. We know it's going to be difficult and being towards the bottom of the league means nothing. It's going to be just as difficult, in my opinion, as if we were playing against a team at the top of the, with us at the top of the league because they're fighting for their lives and there's also that Norwich connection as well just to add a little bit more onto it so it's tough but I think we'll get there It, it feels at the moment as, as we head towards the run-in I don't think we're quite there yet I think as Stuart Webber said before Stoke we are maybe four or five games away I would agree with him on that but it does feel if you get a team in mid-table maybe that's a slightly not easier because no game is easy, but a slightly kinder proposition maybe than, than a side scrapping for their lives. Um, Anna, let's let's come to you first then. Norwich, of course, at home. So uh, you being our, our home representative, we'll, we'll come to you. How do you see this game going? And then, of course, we'll ask for your score prediction as well. I think it'll be difficult, but 
I think that we're going to go into it full of confidence, knowing that we're getting a little bit of form. We've got the kind of re, the Pookie and Buendia, their form kind of kind of got a little bit of that together as well. So I think we will win. I do think we have more than enough quality to win, but I think it will be tougher than the last two matches. And your score prediction, Anna, let's, let's hear it. 2-1. We haven't had one of them in a while. Two one, like it. That would uh, that would be uh, very pleasing for Norwich City. We we'll keep the momentum going. Josh, um, let's let's get you, uh, your perspective as well as a Rotherham fan. How do you see this game going at Carrow Road? Uh, I think it's going to be very tough. Norwich the games against Norwich are always tough. I've always found, but I think it's important for us to keep our heads up, take the positives from the last two games, despite us losing, and, and just go. And just obviously we've got to play our game, keep the high press. Obviously, we are missing our key midfielder, Jamie Lindsay, who's out until mid-April with an hamstring injury. He's a massive loss. I mean, I call him the fiery, energetic Scotsman because that's exactly what it is. He, he, he never gives a player a moment's peace. He goes into tackles quite strongly and he's the sort of player that every Rotherham fan loves. But it's going to be a tough game. Norwich have got form players Pookie, Buendia, enough to give you nightmares. To be fair, but it, it, as I said earlier, in the, as I said earlier in the show, we can't we can't worry about what the opposition do. We've got to make them worry about us. We we've got threats. We've proved that we can beat the better teams in this division, and we've got to go into that. We've got to go into this game with with that pos- with the positivity positivity that we went in with the to the game against Middlesbrough, against the game both games against Derby, Preston. We've got to play positive football, you know, go along when we need to, be aggressive when we need to. But you know, people don't give us credit. We, we can play football. We do have players in that side who can pass the ball and put crosses in with real quality. You know, we are a big side and we do score a lot of goals from set pieces, which, which hopefully we can exploit. I remember when we played you early in the season and Ben was on the show and he said that Norwich do struggle with with set pieces and hopefully we can take advantage and exploit that. Mm, interesting stuff. Josh, finally, let's get your score prediction. Oh, oh, this is this this is gonna be really tough. I hope that they all prove me wrong, but I, I can I can see us I can see us losing this game. I'm gonna say what Anna said, I'm gonna say two one Norwich. But I'm hoping I'm proved wrong. There we go. There, there are the guys' prediction. What's yours? Let us know in the in the comments down below. It's um, it's always interesting to hear your thoughts. Anna, Josh, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you um, all for watching. Of course, Pinkin.com, the place to go for all the latest Norwich City news and views. We'll be at Carrow Road as well uh, to cover this game. It's um, as the guys have teed up nicely. Going to be very interesting. It's always a very tough game for Norwich against Rotherham, as I'm sure it is the other way as well, uh, with that extra added spice of. Uh, of Paul Warren's uh, loyalty as well uh, thrown in. Thank you very much for watching. Make sure you stay safe and we'll see you all again very, very soon.